the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacole. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, we have come once again to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you, know, you might be able to just press pause on this year pull up last year's recording uh and it not a whole lot has changed except a few names um john this defense is pretty damn good i mean that that undersells it (laughs) and we and we will get there it's funny because the last team that we prepped before this team was maryland and it's really funny to go from prepping an all gas no breaks team like maryland to going to a team like the 2021 Iowa Hawkeyes, who were the absolute polar opposite of that. Um, I think it's kind of fascinating to use that 2021 Iowa defense as a way to talk about something that I feel like we've sort of briefly mentioned in years past, but not completely addressed, which is if you have a team that's awesome on offense, but horrible on defense, you can get by a lot of the time. Because every time the other team scores, things reset. So if you're confident in your offense's chance to go 75 yards downfield every trip, it's not really going to change what you do. On the other hand, it can be really hard, as I think Northwestern fans are very, very aware, to operate in the opposite set of circumstances. When your offense is horrible, it really, really boxes your defense in. You're always on the field. You're always operating on short fields from a position of weakness, and the opposing team is free to attack you in the way that's best for them, not the way that need dictates. We've seen a litany of good defenses almost kind of get taken down a peg over the years because they can't accomplish of what they because of what they can't accomplish because of that handicap they get from the offense. Last year's Iowa defense was no exception. This was an a very, very good defense that honestly was probably even better than its number three rank in the conference in total defense. In fact, the Iowa defense, in truth, was way better than third last year because there is one thing that a defense can do to level the playing field when its own offense is a dumpster fire. Generate turnovers. And sweet sassy molassie did this defense do that. Iowa finished fourth in the nation in 2021 in turnovers gained on the strength of a ludicrous 25 interceptions. The thing is, though, we've talked a lot over the years about regression to the mean from season to season, particularly when it comes to turnovers, but we rarely see regression to the mean in the middle of a season. And that's exactly what happened to Iowa. 16 of those 25 picks came in the first six games of the season. And when that tap was turned off, it stopped mattering how good Iowa's defense was. The Hawkeyes went 4-4 and down the stretch. And as anyone who watched that Iowa Northwestern just horror show of a game uh, knows, the Hawkeyes could have done a hell of a lot worse than 4-4 and down the stretch last year. So, with all of that said, 
we're all going to have to kind of work hard here when we get to the back half of this pod to maintain some perspective on what this Iowa team is overall because I'm about to map out what should be an absolutely phenomenal defense. This unit is just stacked. It starts up front. Iowa loses its best defensive lineman, Zach Van Valkenburg, and he put up a great 15 tackles for loss last year, but the Hawkeyes return the entire rest of the line. Lucas Van Ness, Logan Lee, and Joe Evans are all all Big Ten caliber guys. They combined for 20 and a half tackles for loss and 17 sacks last year. They're all probably going to get better than that this year, and there's real depth behind them. In the secondary, Iowa somehow both loses a ton and brings a ton back. So Dane Belton, Jack Kerner, and Matt Hankins were awesome last year. They had 10 of those 25 picks combined, and they're all currently on NFL rosters. So that's a massive amount to replace. And yet, Iowa is somehow returning the Big Ten cornerback of the year in Riley Moss and another corner, Jermari Harris, who had four picks as a backup last year and a freight train in experienced strong safety Kayvon Merriweather. It's kind of unfair, really, that a secondary can lose three guys to the NFL and still bring three awesome guys back. And despite everything I've just mentioned, I haven't even gotten to what may be the most important piece. So if you've been following these previews for the past few years, you know that kind of quietly, because their defense is really good year to year, Iowa has not been very good at linebacker lately. Um, But they've been able to paper over this with excellent play on the defensive line and excellent play in the secondary. Well, those days are over. Iowa has great linebackers again. The unit starts with Jack Campbell, who took an almost unfathomable leap upward last year. He went from 29 tackles in 2020 to a ludicrous 143 tackles last year. So he's going to be, if not the best linebacker in the conference, no worse than the second or third linebacker in the conference. And flanking him is Seth Benson, who also took a massive leap upward last year and will also be one of the best linebackers in the conference. I don't see any way this is not the best defense in the Big Ten. Anything else would take a level of wizardry from Jim Leonard at Wisconsin that I don't think even Jim Leonard is capable of. And Wisconsin has to replace eight guys. When you stop and look at it, Iowa doesn't really have to replace anything. They have star players at all levels. They have depth and they don't do anything poorly. So, I mean, if I really wanted to work, I could squint here, and I could say that with Van Valkenburg gone, this unit might have trouble getting to quarterbacks, or they might not have any trouble getting to quarterbacks, because they have two guys who had seven sacks last year, and each of them might hit double-digit sacks this year. Our offense against this team? (laughs) I mean, what do you want me to say? Uh, This defense is specifically equipped to deal with our strength. Last year, 
We had 93 rush yards against Iowa. 37 of those 93 were Stephon Robinson running jet sweeps. Andrew Marty had 13 yards on 14 carries against Iowa. Um, I could remind you that Marty did throw for 270 yards last year. He also threw three interceptions, though. So, you know, um, I think our best hope is to end up in the same kind of game we were in last year, where we're hoping that an inability to move the ball against Iowa does not mean game over. And I would say that is going to depend on whatever Scuzz has to say about the Hawkeye offense. Well, um, can we even call it an offense, Scuzz? <laughs> um, I mean, it weren't very good last year. <laughs> uh, here's what's crazy. There, there's a, um, I noted this on last year's pod, and uh, it's true again. It's true again this year. Like, Iowa's offensive identity is kind of struggling because the thing that they've typically been the best at, like, was really bad last year. Um, And that's their offensive line. Last year, I noted that their O-line lost a ton of talent, looked undersized, and potentially spelled trouble, especially with the loss of their best receiver and playmaker in uh, Amir Smith-Marset going to the NFL. Uh, But I also thought that the QBs should improve and the offense would be middle of the road. In reality, I was pretty close, except for the part where the QBs got better. Uh, Iowa lost about eight points per game scoring and 60 yards of offense per game from their 2020 totals. In fact, this was the worst offensive output for Iowa since 2012. Wow. And here's what's really crazy. They look virtually identical coming into 2022. So... I alluded to this. This is the biggest conundrum to me. Offensive line. I called out last year how Iowa's O-line weirdly averaged closer to 290 pounds across the, the board versus the 305 they usually came in at. Like, none of their guys were listed above 300 last year. It just seemed odd. Now, they were losing three starters, but typically for Iowa, turnover on the O-line is a speed bump. And last year, it was a crash into the ditch. They had an all-American center, and they still couldn't block for shit. Really bad run blocking. And really bad pass pro. They gave up 32 sacks, the most since, like, 2015 and 2016. Can I just can I just stop really quickly? What in God's name are Iowa football practices like? <laughs> <laughs> Does the defense just sit on the offense? I'm just like... <laughs> I don't even know. Iron sharpens wood? Yeah. Well, so now this year, like, uh, Lindenbaum, their all-everything center is gone. Uh, They do bring back, you know, they have a nice player at left tackle in Mason Richmond. And they've got two returning guards, uh, Colby and DeJong, who, you know, pedigree is reasonable. Um, But they've got a new right tackle and a a redshirt freshman at center. A six-foot-three, 282-pound redshirt freshman center. In fact, just like last year, not a single projected starter weighs over 300 pounds. So there's some depth guys at the guard positions that look hefty. But here's the depth chart at right and left tackle. I'm just going to read the weights of the guys listed at right tackle. 296, 295, 281, 270, 281. At left tackle... 296, 
286, 250, 218. That's the long snapper. He's, let, so, me, let, let me so just to, pause. To, 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 be, to be clear, those were, those were Iowa's tight ends. <laughs> let, let me pause and ask on behalf of Kirk Herbstreet, where are the hog mollies at? I mean, that's, that's insane. It's, I just, it, I can't even believe that. This is a, this is a team that produced multiple, like top three NFL draft left tackles in the last 15 years. I mean, have they gone to like a full Mike Shanahan zone blocking? I mean, scheme? yeah, like here's, that's the weird part. Like, it's not like this can't work, right? Like lighter, more nimble, uh, pass blocking offensive lines, like work in in college football and pro football etc it's just so effing weird for iowa to roll out such a svelte group of dudes especially because all they really want to do is bludgeon you like wisconsin style right they want to run and throw over the top this isn't purdue for god's sake i mean if they're running like a wide open offense where they want to spread the offensive line out and really you know have speed on the edges to just chip defensive ends and stuff to give like a really good quarterback time to, to dice up the defense. Like this could be a straight smart strategy, but in lieu of that, and granted, like we've got one, you know, one year of data and a bunch of like weights that I just read off of a Phil Steele magazine. So like, it's not a, it's not a big trend yet, but like, holy shit. If this is a trend, this is like the bottom dropping out of the actual foundation of Iowa football. That's just absolutely wild. So compounding this issue last year, and again this year, I think, is the lack of a really good deep threat. Now, Keegan Johnson, uh, when they when they had time to throw him the ball last year, was nice. He had 19 yards per catch, only two TDs, but also only 26 catches. Half as many catches as tight end Sam Laporta had as the leading pass catcher. Their tight end was the leading pass catcher, and he wasn't a good tight end like TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant several years ago. Uh, they also return Nico Rangini and Arlen Bruce. They're both back. Um, Bruce, in particular, is, you know has some flashes. Uh, last year, they had a speedy return guy, Charlie Jones, who was taking over for Smith's Marset. He is also gone. He never really you know did anything on the offense. Hell, you look at the you look at the wide receiver group and like who caught passes. Tyler Goodson caught more balls out of the backfield than any other player, save Laporta. The Iowa passing game last year was literally checkdowns to the running back and throws to an all right tight end who averaged 12 yards per catch. Now, at least they have a projected starter who looks like a downfield threat this year in Jackson Ritter, but this receiver core is rough. Now, maybe if you had a Peyton Thorne, you know, you could unlock those guys. Maybe like a, ta- a ta- Tonga Vailoa certainly could, could do some things. I'm not saying that these guys suck individually, but they're not breaking the game open like players that, that I was had in the past. I mentioned, I've mentioned Fant, Smith, Marset, Hawkinson. This group of wide receivers is going to be playing football with Spencer Petrus. The surgical Spencer Petrus. Yes. <laughs> or Alex Padilla. Yikes. Um, before I really dive in on the QBs, let me tell you, the running game ain't coming to save Iowa either. They only averaged 124 yards per per game last year. That's a big drop-off. Goodson lost a yard per carry on rushes and two yards per reception. you got to chalk that up to the underperforming O-line. Gavin Williams was, you know, all right as as Goodson's backup last year, but 
you know, ran for 300 yards, averaged about the same, did not stand out. Uh, they could turn to true frosh, uh, Jay-Z and Patterson, but it just doesn't look particularly dynamic in, in the running backs, especially behind that offensive line. Uh, the biggest problem they still haven't solved yet. Man, well, maybe, I don't know. The offensive line might bigger, be a bigger problem, but also a big problem is the quarterback. Uh, Petrus returns for his junior year. His play last year was virtually identical to 2020, 57% accurate, only six and a half yards per attempt. Oh, that dude is that dude is fully baked. Take him out of the oven. <laughs> oh, and guess what? His interception rate almost doubled last year. Uh, and the backup Alex Padilla, despite looking great against Northwestern, because of course, um, was objectively worse. He really struggled with accuracy. He was like barely. I think he was sub 50 percent. Um. Now they have a you know guy that played on the scout team, uh, Joey Labas. Uh, maybe he can make a show. And they've got a true freshman in Carson May. May looks pretty similar to Petrus, um, you know, in, in terms of like size and stature. But God forbid if the offensive line lets Labas and his 194 pound frame get sacked 30 times. Um, at best, you know, Iowa starts new blood at quarterback, or Petrus has some sort of you know junior junior year leap and that creates a higher ceiling for the for the offense but the foundation is still the running game and it just looks i mean it looks like that foundation is crumbling um it's just not that impressive now maybe they're going to surprise us like i said they've got some names the o-line looks a little heftier than last year but um god forbid if they have an injury or something i mean worst case they they just look the same as last year and yeah the defense is great but repeating those 2021 numbers, averaging 23 points per game, they're going to put immense pressure on that defense. And like the read last year that I had on Iowa was that if you don't turn the ball over, they can't score. They could be in the same position. Yeah, I mean that, that was the big thing two years ago. I mean they just pick, they just turned you over nonstop. Yeah, I think uh, let's see, last year they were plus 12. The year before they were plus nine in turnovers, which is you know that's that like last year I felt like they had a jump there, but. I, for, I forget, like, I feel like in some of the early games, it wasn't until they would get, you know, a pick six or, or I mean, the defense was scoring points regularly. And it looked this, like if that, if that didn't happen, the offense couldn't couldn't get the job done on their own. Yeah, Sammy, when we get to their schedule in a second, we'll map it out. But Scuzz is absolutely right. This is a crazy team. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. Well, let's go ahead and uh, talk about that schedule. Uh, they open up the season at home against South Dakota state. Uh, then they get, uh, Iowa state at Kinnick, uh, for the Cyhawk trophy. They're home against the Nevada Wolfpack before they finally hit the road, uh, starting big 10 play in Piscataway against Rutgers. They're home against Michigan. They're back on the road against Illinois and Ohio state come home for us. Uh, then they're at Purdue, home for Wisconsin, at Minnesota, and finish off the season Black Friday at home against Nebraska. I, so let me start here. So on one hand, there are nine teams on this schedule 
who absolutely could score zero points against Iowa in a game. <laughs> on the other hand, we are going to play on August 27th uh, against Nebraska. And on September 3rd at 11 a.m., I am going to be glued to that Iowa-South Dakota State game because South Dakota State is an awesome FCS team. And Iowa just, what if they don't score in that game? Um, I feel like Scuzz kind of undersold it. I mean, you're talking about like maybe the offensive line is bigger. Their best player on both sides of the ball was an offensive lineman and he's gone now. Uh, I'm just like, I, I mean, it's like, and then the week after Iowa state, which is just a mutual house of horrors for those two teams and everyone who has to watch that game every year. I'm just like, I, I don't know what the hell to think about this team. Again, nine teams who could not score a point against this team. And, and as, and yet, I don't know what to think. Oh my god, I should have I should have also read off the center weights. 282, <laughs> 278, 287, 267, 268. What the f is happening? Again, it sounds is the like entire listening... state of Iowa on a diet? It Atkins, sounds like baby. you're list yeah, you're listing <laughs> Iowa tight ends. I'm just like this is the, the the all tight end offensive line. <laughs> I mean, I I guess if I have one wish, it's Blizzard in Kinnick on November twelfth against Wisconsin. I want to see I want to see like these two teams come. They have fifty yards of offense each. It's a raging snowstorm. Somehow through like random fumbles, teams get it at the opponent's 10 and then miss field goals and it goes to overtime 0-0. Zero, zero. I, I just, I have all kinds of dreams about that. Um, that Iowa Penn State 6-4 to four affair oh, is 6-4, uh, baby, 6-4. Yeah. To four. yeah. Um, and again, here's the thing, right? Because I am very confident this is the best defense in the Big Ten. Again, no weaknesses anywhere on the defense they're awesome at everything and at the same time how in god's name do you repeat 25 picks it's like iowa went 10 and 4 last year the amount of luck it took this team to win that many games if you look at their start of the season they had a couple that like everyone was just in awe of their defense and they got that stratospheric ranking and the offense was God awful that entire time. And then you look at their final eight games, they went four and four easily could have been one and seven down the stretch easily. Those games were all tight, including our game. Um, so I'm just like 17, uh, 12 against Northwestern because 2021's Northwestern is a travesty. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so I don't know. I don't seven, know seven points on Purdue's defense. I like, I mean, like it, I like, so on one hand, last year was the worst offense in a decade for, for Iowa. And like, it like nobody's coming to save them this year at the same time, like regression to the mean might mean that they score five more points a game and are just a lot more comfortable in some of those close affairs. But, um, but I don't know, man. It's hard. They lose. Hard I mean, they lose. Lind, they lose Lindebaum. I'm yeah. just like I. Fitzin. Yeah, I. It is so like I mean, 
I, I think some people want to talk this team up for the West. I'm just not seeing it. I I mean I know again compared to Wisconsin, like it like it just it sounds like their defense is like a notch better than Wisconsin's, but the offense has got to be three notches worse. Right. And I mean, and you know, we saw that game last year and just the total, you know, disaster that it was. And I, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not seeing it. I don't know. I mean, again, to have this good of a defense, which usually is, that's what's so weird to calibrate because we're so used to a team that's this good on defense, traditionally smashing you in the mouth on the other side of the ball. And that's not what Iowa is at all right now. They just don't have that. Um, do so, do we like our placement on the schedule right after a road trip to Columbus? Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, They're going to be again, beat it's up. Like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, like, you're going to see horrifying things from our offense in this game. Just brace yourself well, right now. It, it is it is Halloween weekend yeah, in right. Kinnick. Just, just brace yourself. Make your peace with that and move on because despite that, we absolutely could be in some kind of look away children game, uh, just like last year, that we have some some sort of chance to win. Um, it's possible. And then again, it's like um, I've got him in my head right now just because I, you know, we were talking about him on Twitter today, but it's like fourth quarter of a, you know, Seven seven ball game. Spencer Petrus decides to feed one to Jeremiah Lewis for a pick six or something like that, and suddenly we're walking out of Kinnick with a win. Like Iowa is absolutely that kind of team. So I, I will believe that when I see it. Uh, there's yeah. a reason that I'm drinking a very large yeah. sour beer tonight as we preview like three right. three extremely difficult opponents for Northwestern. But like your point, your point remains that you know. Iowa had a lot of things go in their favor last year. Right. Um, inter- you know, interestingly, like their defense was great last year, but from a points perspective, like they, they allowed fewer points per game in 2020, 19 and 18 than they did last year. So like that, that may, maybe there's a little bit of chance for improvement in terms of like the lockdown nature of their D, but there's no way they're repeating that turnover rate. No, and that's the thing is right is like that's all that matters when your offense is this bad and with no sign of improvement on offense and and, and maybe maybe I'm I'm a false prophet here and and there were other factors you know beyond their control last year and and of course they have things turned around but like do you trust Brian Effing Ferenc to turn things around I sure don't no. nope so can they get back to Indy. <sighs> God, I again. Can can yes. Yeah, I mean, can. like what? Okay. What's, what, I'm, not, I'm not saying will. I'm, we're not at the will yet, but like, there, you wouldn't have to like squint too hard to see a path for them to win. Well, the let's West. briefly see, let, assess what's standing between them and Indy. Um, sure, Graham Mertz. Whatever <laughs> weirdness is happening in, happening in Minnesota, and Aiden O'Connell with no wide receivers. Now, here's the other piece, though, and we talked about this when we talked about um, Wisconsin, right, is it's just I can find three conference losses for Iowa rolling out of bed in this schedule, and that's harder to do for Wisconsin. Now, it's not impossible to do for Wisconsin, but um, if I feel like if Iowa loses to Wisconsin, they're losing to Michigan and Ohio State, too, and I, like— then I, to me, I'm like, they're cooked. Like, I don't see 
a path for them to Indy. Um, and, and real talk, I think they're losing more than three games. Uh, I just don't see how they're getting points. So is this one of those everyone else thinks they're good, but they'll actually be bad teams <laughs> yeah, for yeah, Iowa? Yes, yes. I guess the, I the mean, pattern I, persists. I mean, it's like, but I mean, I mean, like, I can only imagine Scuzz looking at this and being like, "What in God's name do people think this offense is going to be doing?" I mean, real, like, real, real, real talk. Like you said, John, like nine teams might not score, and I mean, they could win those games, right? Like, with very little production from offense. I mean, I was always got a good kicker, right? Like, I mean, they're still going to be a good team, but the idea that they're like. I'm just a I'm locker, just, a favorite for the West is I think a what, stretch. What we're shouting into the void about what the hell everyone else is thinking about a team from corn country. I'm not used to that team being Iowa. <laughs> so I'm, still, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still trying to calibrate here again. I'm like, I, I, I guess like I'm kind of feeling like seven and five with this team. Um, just cause again, like I feel like their defense is going to come to play, but God, I'm just like, it's like eight, eight and four, nine and three. God, I don't know. So ceiling, you know, ceiling, I'll say 10, given especially they get Wisconsin at home. Absolutely. 10. Again, nine teams are capable of not scoring against this team. But I don't see how they, how they can, like, they're too one dimensional. Like even... I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't see them being able to roll with, with the talent that Ohio State and Michigan have. I like, yes, defense. You know, the old adage, defense wins championships. Well, like, it's a new day in football, folks. And you have, if you haven't been paying attention, um, uh, offense is what carries the day now, generally. Um, but for a floor, I mean, I don't think they could actually lose to. Well, they could. I don't think they will lose to South Dakota State. Iowa State is always a, a, a crazy time. I mean, Iowa is the type of team that has, you know, done stuff like gone to Illinois after, you know, a, a, a tough mental game against Michigan and lost or lost inexplicably to Purdue like they did last year. Um, they always beat Minnesota. I, like, I, I think they've 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 won seven straight. Um, I guarantee uh, I, the ghosts are circling the hell out of that I, oh, this year. Well, they, they always are. But like Iowa just seems to have their number. But. The Wisconsin game's weird. Nebraska's always a weird game. Like, so, I mean, to me, that seven and five is probably probably more of the floor. And and I think they're going to end up in that in that eight or nine win win range. So you don't see you don't see a situation where the bottom falls off and they go like five and seven. Yeah. The D's again, too good. I, yeah, I their their D is is oh yeah hell no. Um, again, like their D is just too good, but they're yeah problems. I mean, it's just really weird to do this team after doing uh, Maryland, and where it's just like devil may care Maryland, whereas like this team is like every game is just going to be gross and close for this team. And so last year, Iowa was like the second best defense in the conference and the tenth ish best offense. I feel like that persists, and that was good enough for. 10 and four last year. And it seems, you know, you know, maybe take a quick, Again, take two, two games away for luck and you've got, you know, seven, yeah. uh, eight, eight, eight and yeah, eight and four overall. I, I mean, I can see that. So you could talk me into eight and four 
probably seven, five, eight, and four is where I'm coming down. But again, they ain't going to be fourth in the nation in turnovers again. Uh, and uh, honestly, that team left town halfway through the season anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm not seeing great things from Iowa this year. All right. Well, that'll uh, wrap up our preview on the Hawkeyes for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlapirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, and email the show, westlapirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.